0: Welcome to Gary's first podcast. For those of you who don't know us, we're the Global Arena Research Institute, Gary for short, and we use advanced technology to visualize, understand, and create the ability to manage globalization. That is us in the smallest nutshell I could conceive. This podcast is meant to bring interesting topics to you with a Gary perspective, bringing together technology and science with politics, economy, and society. And as the founder, Michal is so adamant on saying, entertain you a little along the way.
1: Yeah, well one we kind of stole this thing from another podcast it's a podcast called airplane geeks and i'm very fond of that and i love this uh, the sentence so that's why we stole it two this is our first podcast so instead of being entertaining we are a little bit stiff i guess but it will get better as we go on
0: today we'll be talking about a new initiative called the national research cloud Facebook and the advertising boycott, and some brief updates on what Gary is doing. For the upcoming podcast, we have some amazing guests lined up for you, including the president of Rand Europe, the Director of Technology at CERN, as well as an energy strategist from DC, all of which are members of Gary's International Advisory Board. I'm Odessa Primus and this is Michael Kotan. Hello. And we are the Global Arena Research Institute. So let's get started.
1: Let's get started. On October 19th, I was intrigued by an article in the uh, in the Financial Times by John Thornhill. Uh, this article picked up on an on an initiative by uh, some of the most prominent AI researchers in the United States, for example, Fifi Lee. And this initiative is called National Research Cloud. It uh, was brought to the light of the day in March 2020, and uh, it was picked up by the FT only now in October. And the initiative is pretty interesting. It's, uh, it is something which touches upon some of the most fundamental societal challenges related to the future of artificial intelligence, like will the artificial intelligence uh, become an extremely powerful tool only in the hands of the already powerful few, or will it become democratized? Uh, what is the future role of government in the AI? So this is how the FD article framed the initiative, but let's, let's take a look at the initiative itself.
0: The National Research Cloud was initiated by the Stanford Institute for Human-Centered AI to bring together government, industry and research academia to create a cloud that would enable better access to, or access at all, of advanced AI technology and capacities to universities, research institutions and industry researchers. The kind of capacities and capabilities that only a handful of companies have the ability to develop and use. Their main arguments are the cost of AI and how few companies can afford to progress in this field and use the highest capacities of AI, and the need to refocus on the importance of AI in order to maintain leadership in this field on the world stage.
1: So basically, this is the move towards democratization of uh, AI. That's the way I understood it. There are interesting rationales. Stated behind this initiative like uh, Lack of access like lack of public access to compute power uh, And the scarcity of meaningful data sets uh, which is the two most important prerequisites uh, for advanced AI research But also the declining government investment in basic and foundational research uh, Which is in a way funny because this is a US initiative and the US uh, does realize that it's still a superpower in the AI research, but it's uh, it's lacking behind, it starts to lag behind China in some important aspects, like access to data. And there is a silence in Europe, in a way, in this regard. I mean, there's not silence, there's a lot of initiatives.
0: The National Research Cloud state that um, this, this lack of investment and... Uh, focus on ai research threatens america's position on the global stage which is interesting we are currently here speaking from europe with knowing certain initiatives in europe that are trying to get more funding and get more uh, visibility for ai research and development of, of technology
1: like the like the claire initiative right for example,
0: like the Claire initiative, which is an association of uh, research institutes that that work with AI or that are developing AI. And the it's, it, it's interesting to hear this because if America feels like there's potentially a threat to them being uh, number one in uh, AI research, then hearing Europe being very skeptical and cautionary in approaching ai and using it and and giving allowances to initiatives to be able to use data and be able to use public data basically in europe we're at the very beginning of this conversation and we've started with regulation and fear of using big data especially if it concerns public data Uh,
1: but these initiatives are still scattered and not unified enough for europe to uh, to stay competitive in my opinion, you know, to, to bring our, our institute on, on the table here, it sort of proves the point that what we're trying to build with the Global Arena Research Institute, the digital data environment or, or the digital twin of the globalized world, that we are on the right track, but it takes much more efforts and much more cooperation between the uh, private sector, governments and universities to make it happen. So we'll, we'll be following that.
0: On October 29th, the world learned that Facebook's third-quarter earnings reached 21.5 billion, up 22% in comparison with the previous year and beating Wall Street's expectations of 19.8 billion. Also, the social media giant, which also owns Instagram and WhatsApp, said its daily active user base grew to 1.82 billion, up 12% year-on-year, versus 1.78 billion expected by analysts.
1: Yeah, this this really proves that the year 2020. Is a, is a big game changer for the big tech, uh, both in terms of their profits, but also in terms of them being scrutinized uh, and criticized by the public and politicians. You might remember that, that since the beginning of the summer, Facebook has been the object of a powerful advertising boycott campaign. It was called, or it is still called, Stop Hate for Profit. And uh, the campaign essentially argued that Facebook refuses to take care of the hateful content on its platform. Following the calls, uh, over 1,000 companies, including North Face, Verizon, Unilever, and its Ben & Jerry's, uh, Coca-Cola, or Starbucks, uh, they all joined the movement. Now, some of the companies stopped their advertising on the Facebook platform uh, for one month. Uh, some stopped for good, at least for the time of being.
0: Uh, just a funny interlude to remember that Ben & Jerry's released an, an ice cream called Impeachment at the beginning of Trump's um, presidency. Oh, is that right?
1: Well, I never tried that one.
0: Yeah, <laughs> although peach and mint, it doesn't sound very delicious to me anyway. Um, now, that doesn't mean that Facebook did nothing to deflect the criticism. The company increased its efforts to remove fake accounts, it helped people to register to vote, and blocked new ads a week uh, ahead of Election Day. The social network is also banning political ads in the U.S. after the polls close, apparently indefinitely.
1: Well, despite all this uh, campaigning pressure, uh, it looks like uh, this is not what uh, what would turn Facebook into some more fundamental changes. Uh, according to Facebook, the, it's mostly the small businesses that continue to turn to their products, and uh, thanks to the uh, COVID. pandemic, uh, the user growth overall jumped as we heard, it is the political pressure that seems to be making more impact on Facebook and it is also the political pressure where the company sees uh, uh, the challenges for themselves uh, in the months to come. This was also confirmed by the Facebook financial director David Wenner who hinted that the dangers for Facebook do not come from the corner of uh, big advertisers, but from the realm of politics.
0: On Wednesday, uh, the 28th of October, Mark Zuckerberg, together with the CEOs of Google and Twitter, appeared before the Senate Commerce Committee to discuss potential legislation that would limit protections for social media companies under Section 230 of the 1996 Communications Decency Act. So this act provides a shield to online publishers from liability for content generated by users. While the Republicans and Democrats do agree that something needs to be done with the Communications Decency Act, they come to that conclusion from really different positions, which is obviously typical. Republicans rallied against the companies and their CEOs for the perceived notion that the Silicon Valley powerhouses are biased against conservative views, and work to censor conservatives while giving liberal politicians a pass. Democrats, on the other hand, argue that Section 230 prevents social media companies from doing more to moderate their platforms and take down or limit content, such as hate speech and disinformation about COVID-19 and the elections.
1: Yeah, and there's also the, the, the headwind coming from the other side of Atlantic, as the European Commission digs deeper and deeper into the future regulation of the data privacy. And obviously the digital tax issues, and none of the expected outcomes uh, will go well with the U.S. tech giants. But uh, let's keep this topic for some of our future podcasts. And very, very closely related to that, there was a, a leak from Google on October 28th, which revealed that the Google is planning a very aggressive uh, campaign targeted against the French Commissioner Thierry Breton and uh, other tab regulators in brussels over there plans to introduce new laws to curb the power of big tech and uh, this leaked document uh, caused quite a stir in brussels Uh, but this is something that we're going to talk about in one of our future podcasts so stay tuned
0: so what's up with gary
1: well um we're now Together with the uh, Slovak Foreign Policy Association Research Center we're finishing our reports on the energy transition in Europe, meaning we're processing large amounts of data related to the ways of the European countries are progressing towards the green transition. Uh, This is part of the project called We4Care RSEC, uh, supported by the International Visegrad So that's one thing. The other thing is, we are working on, a, um, on three analyses for the Czech Ministry of Foreign Affairs. One of those is dealing with the link between migration and socio-economic conditions and security. The other one is linked to the complexity of the Czech external trade relations. And the third one is linked to the question of employment and um, foreign trade.
0: And another update from Gary is our closing of our deal with the Basili School of International Affairs from Waterloo University in Canada with whom we have arranged to accept PhD students to do traineeships with us, mostly research positions. We've also just decided to join their roundtables, which they do weekly now. The five topics that Gary has proposed are digital multilateralism, democratization of AI, keeping the human in the loop, the case for human responsible AI tech development, the great divide, and technology empowerment versus fear and control. Well, that's it for today. Thank you for listening. And if you have any questions, are interested in Gary's data and analytical services, or want to recommend a topic, guest, or angle for another podcast, email us at info at or go to globari.org, that's G-L-O-B-A-R-I.org, and find the podcast section with the contact form. Until next time, have a nice day.